This is Horsepower Happenings. Tear up the body panel, fine. You know, you can bend those. You could have destroyed the whole race car, if not worse. I don't have any problem racing each other and trading paint and moving people. I mean, that's it's a short track bull ring. This right. is not Daytona. From the MCRP studios in the Motor City. But I do know also one thing. By the time I'm his age, I'll have more than 100 wins, and I promise you that. With Zach Heiser. Banger leads him down on the bottom side of the racetrack. Moyer trying to make something happen on the top shelf. Big run. He'll cross over now down the back straight away into turn number three. Moyer puts the binders on. Fager nearly on the bike. And Rich Frank. Any progress, Zach, that they made on the last stop, they ruined on this one. So now they're really trying to get this thing off the ground. From the Motor City Racing Promotion Studios. Hey, guys, this is Ford Hodge. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion, Rusty Schlink. This is Bobby Santos. This is Travis Stemler. This is Travis Brady. This is Andrew Shai. David Melky. Josh Fry. Ryan Rule. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome to Horsepower Happenings, a post-safety summit edition. Winds us up with plenty of amazing stories from the summit, which we'll talk about in a little bit, just a little later on in the program. Right now, let's take a look at what's happening in a Motor City Minute. The 56th edition of the Alabama 200 featured 15-year-old Jake Garcia picking up the impressive win. In victory lane, though, Garcia circled back to reality, mentioning that he had just had another major accomplishment, gaining his learner's permit for driving on the roadways. Joey Logano held off a hard-charging Kevin Harvick in overtime to pick up the win Sunday in Phoenix. The race saw high intensity all afternoon, and Logano drove to his second win of the 2020 season. After a late race restart, 2018 series champion Mike Marler dropped a massive slider on Ricky Wise to go on to collect the World of Outlaws Morton Building's late model series win at Smoky Mountain Speedway. Stuart Friesen became the first driver to be a repeat champion of the Melvin L. Joseph Memorial at Georgetown Speedway over the weekend. The $10,049 payday was Friesen's 20th career short track Super Series win. Welcome in, I'm Zach Heiser, pulling the lone duty for tonight's episode, No Rich France, as he recovers from his announcer's workshop, and uh, our fill-in, Scott Midland, had to make his way back to Nashville for managerial duties today, but a great chap on, uh, a great show, rather, on tap this evening, nonetheless. Before we get to our featured interviews tonight, which, by the way, uh, feature an amazing story that uh, that gentleman has, we'll, we'll dive into that some more coming up. Also... Kalamazoo Track Services Director uh, Jake Steele joins us a little bit later on in the program to talk about some safety items that uh, crew members, general public, any sort of officials can take part in. We'll, uh, we'll talk with him coming up just a little bit later on. But right now, we open up with some headlines. Sad news out of the motorsports industry this weekend. David Rogers, a short track racing legend, died Sunday morning at the age of 64 following complications associated with his battle with cancer. The Orlando, Florida native was one of the most successful late model drivers in the state. An impressive resume that included multiple track championships at locations like New Smyrna Speedway, Volusia Speedway Park, and Orlando Speed World. Rogers won a total of six NASCAR Wheelin' All-American Series Florida State Championships, his last of which came just back in 2017. Rogers also broke the record for most career snowball derby starts in December with 33. The gentle giant began a battle with lymphoma 
in 2018. Into some racing news this weekend, a $10,000 payday awaited two drivers Saturday during the Cars Tour opener at Southern National Motorsports Park. The prize money was on the line for both the late model stock and the super late models. Taylor Gray found what it took to go to victory lane in the late model stock portion of the show, saving enough of his tires to win the 150-lap event ahead of Dieck McCaskill, Connor Mozek, and Josh Berry. In super late model action, defending Cars Tour champion Matt Craig led flag to flag, collecting $5,000 for the race win and another five grand as part of the Rowdy Manufacturing Super Challenge. The win was Craig's second in as many weeks at Southern National Motorsports Park. Tanner Thorson drove from a 15th starting spot to Victory Lane Saturday night during the 5th annual Shamrock Classic in Illinois. By the end of the opening lap, Thorson had already advanced three positions less than 10 laps in, and Thorson was in the top five, continuing his hunt to the front. Thorson led the final 16 laps of the event after a huge slide job under Chris Windham. The final was Thorson, Tyler Thomas, and Windham rounding out the podium. Chandler Smith stole the show Friday night during the Arc Menard Series race from Phoenix Raceway. Starting out front after a two-tire pit stop, Smith held off Daytona winner Michael Self, as well as Ty Gibbs, Tanner Gray, and Zane Smith for his eighth win in just 21 series starts. The race was also the opening event for the Sioux Chief Showdown schedule, which Smith plans to race entirely in 2020. Well, no Rich France tonight, which means there's no Here's the Deal segment, so we'll take a break, but when we come back, an exclusive one-on-one -on -one interview with Lyle Barnett, the radial drag racer who nearly lost his life over four years ago. Also later on in the program, we talk with uh, Kalamazoo Track Services Director Jake Steele. Lots of information to be had tonight and great interviews on tap. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Horsepower Happening. The Motor City 200 is coming back for a third try on Saturday, April 25th from Flat Rock Speedway. The first can't-miss event of the year features a season-opening 100 laps for Champion Racing Association's JEGS CRA All-Stars Tour. Also on the card for the first time since 2007, Modifies will battle wheel-to-wheel -wheel with 75 laps at the historic speedway. The Victory Custom Trailers CRA Junior Late Model Series opens their sophomore season with 25 laps around the Metro Detroit Bowl Ring. The Motor City 200, Saturday, April 25th, from Flat Rock Speedway, a Motor City Racing Promotions event. For more information, log on to MotorCity200.com. Looking to solve a suspension issue on your current vehicle? Suspension Max is a service and solution-based manufacturer of automotive suspension and specialty parts. Based out of Bay City, Michigan, Suspension Max has been serving the automotive aftermarket as well as engineers since 2002 and produces specialty suspension components for original equipment manufacturers and government contracts. To learn more about what they can do for you, give them a call at 188-629-9226 or go to suspensionmax.com. Suspension Max, the leveling kit experts. When the call sounds from race control. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Top motorsport sanctions rely on the elite team of industry professionals for Motor City Racing Promotions to respond. Highly trained men and women in uniform systematically arrive on scene with their advanced fleet of safety vehicles equipped for the toughest jobs. Hours of annual training and practice are executed with precision as the task is rapidly performed in unison. Each official on the MCRP safety team is SFI certified in short track incident response and demonstrates a comprehensive background in motorsports, firefighting, and emergency medical services. It is their own appreciation of this sport and its growing need for professional motorsports rescue that has been the catalyst behind MCRP safety team's impeccable portfolio. 
For more information on Motor City Racing Promotion Safety Team, log on to MotorCityRacing.co and look for the MCRP badge at a track near you. This is two-time UMP stock car champion Josh Fry. You're listening to Horsepower Happy. Here today at the Lane Automotive Safety Summit, Wonderful Elite, Michigan, uh, Saturday, March 7th. What a beautiful day it is. And uh, we're here today with Lyle Barnett. Uh, and for most of our listeners, Circle Track, you may not know that name, but for some of our drag racing listeners, you probably do. Uh, Lyle Barnett is here today at the, the Safety Summit, Lane Automotive, and uh, welcome to the Horsepower Happenings booth. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Glad to be here. Um, you know, it was really cool that Ryan and the guys asked us to come out here and be a part of this deal uh, to share my story and talk with you guys and have a few beers and hang out. Absolutely. Now, before we get to the story, I want to talk to you about what your career was like before your new career. What is it that you did? What is it that you do uh, in, in racing? Um, you know, it started at an early age, uh, not as early as some, you know, drag racers along with circle track, but junior dragster stuff starts at a very young age right. I and mean, you're seeing five six seven eight year olds doing it you know and i was more interested in sports uh, basketball baseball football um got really got into racing as i got my driver's license i got a car at 15 really started racing hard at 16 and been hard at it ever since um started in bracket racing uh probably the most popular form of drag racing you right. know anybody can race against anybody as long as you nail down that index yeah um got into small tire radial heads up drag racing first one to the finish line which is more my style uh bracket racing playing the finish line and whopping the throttle and stuff is just not my deal so <laughs> yeah uh we got into head, heads up radial racing when i was about 18 okay um jumped in x275 uh ran a big block nitrous combination switched to a small block pro charge combination uh you know, kind of made my way up through the ranks and then ended up in that um, that blue chrome uh, 2001 model Chevrolet Corvette with the twin turbo Brad Anderson Hemi in it. You yeah, know, and, and that's the one. That was the one. That, that was, was We were one. at the pinnacle, man. We were we were really, really getting it done. And I was 24 years old and bulletproof and yeah. was, uh, was really at the top of the game and, you know, just had a kind of an unfortunate mishap there. But as far as what I do day in and day out still to this day, I work at an engine shop. Uh, we build high-end drag race motors, uh, street LS stuff. We've built jet ski motors. You know, you name it, we've built it. Sure. Um, and I've just kind of dabbled in the drag racing world um, most of my adult life. Well, pretty much all of it. Um, so, you know, still in it and still enjoying it, you know, even even after uh, even after the big one. Now, the big one, uh, take us back, September of 2015. Um, and while it seems like that was just yesterday, but it's going on four and a half years. Four and a half years, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, just another night at the racetrack, right? Yeah. Uh, actually, one of arguably the biggest night of the racetrack for me uh, at that particular time. Um, any of any of Donald Long or Duck X Productions, Lights Out or No Mercy are the two names of the races. We have them twice a year, February and October. This was the October race. Um, a huge stage. The biggest stage that we as Outlaw Drag Radio Racers race on. Okay. Um, we were there, uh, radio versus the world, top fastest class. Pressure's like, on. Oh yeah, dude. It's like <laughs> this is like top fuel dragster in the NHRA for us radio racers. All right. First round of qualifying, we had been we had been testing the past two days. Car was really making some headway. We weren't the fastest there, but we were well on our way to being competitive. You know, qualifying in the top half. Um, Q1 had a good tune up in it. Uh, car left the start line. All things were good. All systems go. 
three-quarter track, uh, we had an electronics failure. Um, it actually caused a, a fuel injection issue, um, not to dive too deep into it, but it caused one cylinder to go what we call lean and mean. Yep. Um, torched out the back of the block in the head, uh, nicked an oil passage, 60 pounds of boost, 130 pounds of oil pressure, and 150 pounds of fuel pressure, and we were in rough shape. Yes. Set the entire uh, cockpit of the car on fire, and for 28 seconds, I burned alive, bouncing off of both walls. And the thing about it, too, you have a very inclusive video online that you talk about the fact that when that happened, it became a, a literal fireball because of everything that was happening with, you know, you're going 100, almost uh, 180 80 miles an hour. Yep. So this is all blowing right into your face, right. let alone the boost and, and the, the, the way that the combustion engine just works. Yep. Um, but you maintained consciousness through the entire accident. Yeah. And, and y you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Yeah. Um, because it is a very vivid memory that I have. You know, it was, I mean, literally the car showed zero signs of having any problem and all of a sudden I was on fire. You know, it was just instantaneous. No feeling, because um, we have a lot of, we have a lot of drivers that listen, no shutter, no feeling, right. no loss of power. Right, you know, and, and any drag racer and any, even any round track racer, you know, you're coming down the front stretch or you're at half track and you drop a cylinder or you have a plug wire come off or, you know, you feel the car kind of nose over. Yeah. Lays, we call it laying over. Yep. Um, it didn't do that. The only thing I remember is right, uh, just a split millisecond before it caught on fire, it sounded like a gun shooting. Okay. You know, ta -ta -ta -ta, you know and that was, that was combustion leaving the back of the engine. You know, it had already had a hole there. And by the time I knew, I mean, I knew what it was. By the time I was coming out of the throttle, it was just too late. It was game over. Um, but yet, uh, uh, the, the firewall in that car was not exactly as it should have been. It wasn't a true barrier. Uh, had a big had a big cutout where the bell housing of the transmission bolts to the back of the block. Um, and that was just, had a carbon fiber um transmission tunnel it just zoosed in you know yep use zeus fasteners and uh it came through that stuff like a hot knife through butter you know and it it literally the the uh the, the stickers on the outside contingency stickers on the outside of the windshield and the stickers we had on the uh maybe on the intake and had a peterson dry sump take in the corner all the stickers were still on the stuff in the engine bay but the inside of the car was completely ruined all carbon wow. fiber inside was gone um i said this morning it melted my belts off of me so when it came time to get out, which I was ready to get out way long before I did, but the car was going 180, and I don't, you know, know about you, but nothing seems fun about tumbling <laughs> down the racetrack. No. Yeah. So I just had to ride it out, right? Yeah. You know, and, and and I knew I was in trouble. Um, you know, was it, inhaling all that hot air and stuff. You know, which I had just severe lung damage after that deal. Um, but nothing I could do. You know, no oxygen in the air. The fire was eating that up, and I was gasping for air, knowing I shouldn't. Um, but when I went to get out. Had a window net in the car, uh, head neck restraint, um, six or seven point harness on uh, seat belts, you know, like the the works. And I didn't take a thing off. I just bailed out. It melted everything down, melted everything off of me. And you know, I've had some talk with some safety uh, experts, you know, and they're like, "Well, I don't know if that's really a good thing." And I'm like, "Well, it did its job, you know. Right. When, when I needed it, when I nose that thing in the wall." I mean, you can look up the wreck on YouTube. My name, La Barnett crash. It's one of the first few videos that pops up. Yep. I nosed in the wallet of probably 165 or so, you know, just head on. That in itself, a right. bad crash. Oh, yeah, terrible. You know, it, not on fire. You right, know? yeah. And, and then, you know, you throw the fire in there with it. Um, but I had some bruising on my chest and stuff where the belts held me, but head neck restraint did its job. Wear one of uh, Simpson's hybrids. Um, 
seatbelts did their job, and then when it came time to get out, they were gone. You know, so a blessing in disguise, maybe. Yes. Um, and you, and you're, you you talk about that. You know, you've got a video out there that kind of breaks this whole thing down, and and you talk about how the whole thing went wrong, but so many things went right to save right. your life. Really odd. You know, I mean, because in a fire like that, and in a car like we drive, and and most late models and stuff are the same way. You know, if if you're pinned up against the wall on the driver's side, uh, that could have mine in particular could have been much much worse. It's way harder to climb across all the roll bars and the BS in the floor of there to get out the passenger side than it is the driver's side. Well, I ended up pinned up against the wall, but the driver's side was up against the wall, so I was able to get out. The belts melted off of me, so I was able to get out faster and not have to worry about unlocking the cam lock and hitting my head and neck and pulling the window down or the window net down. So, yeah, I mean, an absolute worst situation a perfect storm is what you know obviously not ideal but the perfect storm as far as the way that that wreck happened you know and, and just a terrible a terrible deal but really the best outcome you know i mean it could have been much 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 worse you get out of the car uh you get to the back of your car where the safety crew is waiting for you you collapse yep. the next several months are touch and go yeah um i got myself out barry mitchell uh, a great friend of mine and a fellow racer jumped the wall he had already made his run and was waiting on his crew to come get him in his car i stopped literally right in front of him you know he was outside the track i was in he jumped the wall and came to the driver's side and the the fire had laid the lexan windows out and was wrapping up over the roof and it was too hot for him to get to me so he runs around the passenger side to try to get in and about the time he got over there here i came kind of in this zombie looking walk you know yeah. fire coming off my back um you know, Lyle, roll, Lyle, get on the ground, Lyle, get on the ground, you know, so I, I dropped to the ground, I'm rolling around, you know, and, and they are, all right, you're good, you know, they hit me with a fire extinguisher there and got me put out, um, got some of the, got my helmet off of me where I could breathe, you know, and I knew I was in trouble, I, my lungs were burnt bad, you know, and, and I started, you know, asking for oxygen, oh, I'm not being able to breathe, you know, and they pulled some of the safety equipment I had on off of me, got me in the ambulance. Um, the last thing I remember, I asked the guy, the paramedic sitting beside me, I said, how long till we get to the hospital? And he said, 25 minutes, and I don't remember anything else for two and a half weeks. Wow. Um, tons and tons of, you know, of grafting surgeries and, and uh, efforts to repair my lungs, which, you know, the doctors, the nurses, uh, all the staff members at the JMS Burn Center in Augusta, Georgia, part of the doctor's hospital down there, um, angels in my opinion yeah um, they absolutely 100% saved my life uh, and you know like you said the lung damage is really what was what was a scary part of that whole deal you know they when they found the damage um, anybody that knows anything about lungs there's 40 divisions in there and it burnt 38 of mine holy smokes um, it was the equivalent of me smoking two packs of cigarettes a day for 50 years uh, if you do that math that's three quarters of a million cigarettes in 28 seconds wow um and they said that most of the time they don't see people come back from that you know and, and that's where the religious and and the side of that comes into play is you know that that doctors and stuff are just they don't voice their religious opinions you know it's it's not their deal but the pulmonologist there told my dad he said this wasn't me dude you know this was this was from a higher power you know and 
and we believe that. You believe that there's a reason that uh, that God left you on this earth, and uh, that reason has been to bring awareness to the safety industry. Um, and you're pretty open that your operation at the time, back in 2015, had some holes in it. Oh, yeah. And uh, you, you want people to close those holes up. Right. Your, your phrasing has been, we are too reactive rather than proactive. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and there's, a, there's a good reason that Dad, my, myself, and my team have decided to go that route. It's, you know, I was I was young. I was in good shape. I was 24 years old, and my age and 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 the shape that I was in had a had a lot to do with how well I recovered. You know, you take a you take a 50 or a 60 year old man that's been a smoker most of his life and put him in that situation, and good chance he doesn't come out of that. You know, and we don't want to see anybody else, um, whether they be a drag racer or a round track racer. You know, I don't. I don't care if you race lawnmowers. You know, if if, <laughs> if if you can be safer, that's 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 the kind of the envelope we try to push. And and yeah, we had a we had we did not have a true firewall in that car. Um, something that not a lot of people think about. Um, and I was just talking with uh, the lanes here about it a few minutes ago. Is the way to do that now is to get your car in a shop with the lights off, let somebody go in the engine bay with a you know I don't care halogen light or a or a uh, shop light of some sort and get in the car and turn the lights in the shop off and turn that light on and see where the light shines through the firewall they make some fire retardant caulk um and wherever you see light start spraying caulk you know because it's going to fish its way in there right you know fire it is amazing how little of a hole you know little eight inch hole how much fire can come through that you know and and it's just it's something that that i think is overlooked uh, especially Especially people who are building a new car and really pushing to try to make a race. Been thrashing for two or three weeks. Got the you know the biggest race of the year is coming up, and that's just something that you kind of overlook. Um, you know, and, and and the the it's never going to happen to me mentality takes over, and next thing you know, you know you're you're laid up in a burn center for two months like I was, and it's just something that we don't want you know anybody else to have to go through. And if I can spread the word and and deliver the message, then you know and save somebody, even if it's only one, you know it's. Something I've always said is if I save one life with my story, I've done my job. We're chatting with Lyle Barnett here at the Lane Automotive Safety Summit on a Saturday. Um, You mentioned in your presentation today that you look back on your incident and you look at the places and the ways that you got burned, and those were the weak spots in your operation on that day. Yep. Um, You know, we see a lot of times where guys will climb into their race cars with, you know, maybe some just general mechanics gloves and a pair of tennis shoes, face mask open. Those are the exact areas that bit you during your accident, not because you were wearing those specific things, but because that's where your operation was a little weak. Right. Yeah. Um, we had decided a few weeks before uh, my my wreck that we should probably excuse me we should probably upgrade our fire suit. Uh, went to a, a fifteen, um, and but I continued to wear my my five shoes, my five gloves. I was not wearing a head sock, and I had my face shield up, and. If you can take a quick guess of what parts of my body got burnt, my feet because of my five shoes, my hands because of my five gloves, and my face because of my lack of uh, lack of head sock and my face shield was up. Uh, the rest of my body, uh, perfect, done, you know, no problem. You can see the line yep. where your fire suit sleeve came and ended, yep. and uh, where your gloves stopped. And this line here was where the. Uh, where the Velcro strap on my glove was. No kidding. That's just where it was double thick. Wow. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I had, and it was nobody's fault but mine. I I had the 20, I had the 15 gloves, I had the Nomex uh, socks, um, and I had a head sock in the trailer. I just didn't put it on. 
race car drivers almost by nature are kind of a stubborn group. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was just talking to a driver that I know, and I said, oh, good, you're here at the Summit. What are you upgrading today? And he goes, oh, I'm getting some heads and an intake. And I said, what are you buying safety-wise? And he said, well, i got to go fast to need to have safety. doesn't matter what you're driving. Absolutely not. doesn't matter. It could happen. I had a I had a friend that I met down there in the burn center that got burned up in his Toyota Camry on the side of the interstate. You know, like yeah. So now it, it, you know, we're, we're not going to drive up and down uh, our our most famous interstate there near us is 85. But we're not going to drive up and down 85 with a Dash 15 suit to go to the grocery store. Right. But you know, it, it, it's something that I touched on today as well. And in, in the little seminar was that we spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on go fast parts. You know, we got to pick up a tenth. Um, need a couple extra mile an hour, you know. Uh, Jethro's pulling me on the back stretch at South Bend, or, you know, or yeah. whatever, you know. So I, I need that, need that intake, or we got to get these heads ported, or whatever, you know. But you go, you'll come in here today and buy that intake, or, or buy those oversized valve, you know, whatever you need. But you won't go over here and spend a couple hundred dollars on a on a helmet or a couple hundred dollars on a pair of gloves, you know. And and that's just a mentality that that I've been trying for the past four and a half years to change. Um, you know, it it's all too often that you know we're putting a dollar value on our life you know and and that that makes no sense at all you know you, right. you can't put a dollar value on your life it's worth more than anything you possibly could ever own you know but but well again you come in here and spend two thousand dollars on an intake over there or, or whatever but you won't go over here and spend a couple hundred dollars on a pair of gloves you know and that's just it's something that has to change you've got your fiance with you this weekend and uh, she's been a major part of your stories as well you, you talk about some of the things that drivers maybe don't think about if they get in a race car situation where they could get hurt death is easy to think about mm-hmm. um breaking bones is easy to think about you were you were disabled for oh, yeah. for six months, if not longer, yep. uh, to the point where you made a great illustration in your seminar this morning. Your hands were burnt. You basically had no hands for that amount of time. Right. You couldn't do anything for yourself. Right. You know, and to anybody listening, you know, I want you to go if you're uh, at home. You know, go to go to the refrigerator, uh, open it, and pull out one of your favorite beers uh, and, and take a sip of it. But don't use your hands. Yeah. You know. Try and figure that out. Right. You know, go to even better. And at 24 years old, you want to talk about a humbling experience. The next time you have to go to the bathroom, yell for your mom or your wife to come in there and clean you up. Clean you up. Yeah. You know? Take care of you afterwards. Right. You know, because and that's, you and, you know, go sit down at the dinner table tonight and sit on your hands and eat, you know, and, and that's, it's something that I dealt with for roughly three months. I, my hands were just, I mean, they were in these mitts and just useless, you know, and at 24 years old, I would go to the bathroom and have to yell for my mom or my dad or my fiance to come in there and, and wipe my tail. Yeah, you know? take and care like, of it. Man, I'm an adult. You know? Right. Like, Looking back four and a half years later, you are still heavily involved in the racing side of things. You, you still drive, correct? Yes, sir. You still yeah. race. Yeah. Um, we hear a lot where drivers have a really hard time getting back behind the car. Mm-hmm. What was that process like for you? Um, at first, you know, that conversation actually came up when I was still in the burn center. You know, I would have uh, friends or family or somebody come by. What do you think? You think you're going to race again? You know, and my dad and I had a conversation in my room one night. And he was like, what do you think, bud? You know, I just he said, I don't care. You know, we can quit. We can go by boat. Yeah. Um, we don't have to race anymore if you don't want to. And I said, dad, I just don't know yet. You know, I'm. this was not a, an immediate decision. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, you're laying in a hospital bed. Um. You know, with 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 a long, long road ahead of you. You know, if if you've been severely burnt as a listener, or you know anything about it, um, it's a year recovery. 
period. There's no – you're not speeding that up. It takes right. a, it takes eight to nine months for a full-thickness skin graft to mature. Okay. So you're at a year's recovery, and, and there's Minimal. no way around it. You okay. Know? So at that time, I'm like, a year. You know, think about that. A year from now, I will be normal again. You right. know, and at the time, it seemed like an eternity. Yeah. But in the grand – in the in – the, in the, if you're looking at life as, as a line graph across a page, it's just a, a year's a small blip. Right. You know, I mean, you think if you live to be 70 or 80 years old, you know, that's a very small, a very short period of time. And, but, but at that time, I was 24 years old, you know, a, a college student, um, a, a drag racer, you know, a, a fitness dude, you know, and, and I just lost everything. I'm sitting across from you at 25 going, you know, a, a year is in eternity you know there, there's so many things that i need to accomplish in a year um so yeah i know exactly where you're coming from right you know so um i got home um ptsd was just awful man that is some wicked stuff you know and to anybody out there who is experiencing it maybe going through it now i feel for you and there i'm always out there to help if you find me on any form of social media and want to talk i'm always open to do that but i uh i got a service dog okay um, and by far the best thing for me. No medication, uh, no therapy uh, could ever amount uh, to the love and compassion that that dog has shown me and continues to show me today. Um, but about, let's see, September, October, November, December, January. So five months after my wreck, I returned to the same racetrack uh, as a spectator. Cause, you know, Was that a tough decision to make? Not at all. No? no. Okay. Something I wanted to do. And I said that in the hospital, like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I'm going to recover enough to where I can go back to that racetrack in February. Because at a bare minimum, I owed it to the racing community, um, and a large percentage of them would be there. I owed it to them to stand up in front of them and thank them, All you right. know, because the support that I received, not only from the racing community, but I want to speak on them specifically for just a second. The, the support that I received from the racing community as a whole is unbelievable. You wouldn't believe. Um, at the Burn Center, they joke with me. Uh, Travis Barker, who was a drummer for Blink-182. Okay. When that plane went down, he was the only one that survived, you know, and it burned him up pretty bad. And with the exception of Travis Barker, I received the most mail that they had ever seen coming to that burn center. Wow. And that most of it came from the racing community in cards, in signed posters from races, in pictures. You know, I mean, it was just, we took home uh, printer paper boxes full of mail. Just unbelievable. You know, and, and that just goes to show, you know, I spoke on that too earlier, that the racing community is one big family and we're all there for each other, even if... Uh, Jethro puts you in the wall on the back stretch, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. coming, coming for the checker. He'll but, be there at the end. But yeah. um, so I go back to the racetrack, you know, and and uh, I rode up there with one of my good friends, Tyler Cross Snow, and and we uh, spent the first few days when there's really not a whole lot going on, just hanging out and talking to people, you know, and uh, went and went to the start line with a couple of my buddies to run their cars and brought them into beams, you know, and, and got to smell a little tire smoke, you yep. know, and, and I knew at that moment that I at least wanted to try it again. You know, okay. I, I felt like I needed to at least sit back in the car and give it a go. Sure. Um, so I had actually uh, drove a little a seven second bracket car a couple of times uh, prior to getting back in a really fast radial car, but a year a year to date, almost after my crash, I got back in a hot rod. You know, I mean a a fast sub um, five, sub four. Oh yeah, yeah, like a that. bottom four second radial car. Um, rolled that 
you know, nervous. I drove the truck and trailer on the way there, you know, nervous, run us off the road, nearly killed us. Um, got to the racetrack, fumbled around, you know, just, I mean, I couldn't stop pacing and shaking, yeah. you know. and Trying to find, you know, well, you trying to remember what to do. And find a new normal, yeah. you know. And, uh, and I get in the car, they get me strapped up. Uh, we have a headset and radio, you know, and once the car is ready to go, everybody walks off, you know, goes to the start line. We'll let you know when they're ready for you, bud, you know. And so dad, you know, keys the mic. He's like, all right, bud, they're ready. And it was like a few minutes, and he's like, hey, man, you coming? You know, and I'm like, yeah, dad, I'll be there in a second, you know. And what what was going on is I had my hand up on the starter button, like, you know, shaking. shaking. And uh, got the car fired up, all my switches turned on, pulled the water box. And when I turned the tire over the first time in the burnout box, we had made the full circle. Everything went. Everything was clear. Back when I was back in my office, you know, I was I was back to work. Um, if you're a drag racer listening and you know about reaction time, uh, my first light back in the car was like an 026 or something, which is <laughs> oh, that's, that's down there in the good spots. Yeah. You know? So, um, you know, we uh, we tested for the next couple months. Um, this car that in particular that I was driving is known as the Tooth Jerker. Uh, the owner is a dentist out of Mississippi, hence okay. the name. Um, and it is a leaf spring uh, suspended, so it's got still got old school style buggy springs on it. Yep. And our goal was to be the quickest and fastest leaf spring car in the world. Um, the record at the time was a four four thirty six, so four point three six seconds in the eighth mile. Um, January hit, so this would be January of two thousand seventeen. Now uh, we go to Bradenton Motorsports Park in Bradenton, Florida. Uh, first race out, we break the record. Uh, went twenty eight or four twenty eight or four twenty nine. Uh, to officially claim the record and the mile per hour record at like 183 or something. We go to South Georgia uh, for our first official race. Um, entered the Leaf Spring class, third round of qualifying. We go 424 to 185 or something like that. Nice. To officially break the record again. Um, <laughs> qualified number one and won the race back at the same racetrack that I'd nearly lost my life at a year and a half prior to that. So you want to talk about making full, making the full circle and really putting things to rest yeah. you know that was it that was by far the biggest win I'll ne- I may win I may win a hundred races I may win a thousand races I may never win another one but that one will b- always be uh, probably the best in my book it's amazing to hear the story about you know how hard it was to fire the car up how hard it was to get out there but once you lit them up yep. all that went away all of it and it was so much stuff I oh, mean yeah. so much stuff that that a, a, a fraction nobody is going to experience the way that you did um, so it's just an amazing story looking forward March 7th 2020 from here on out what are, what are your goals what do you hope to accomplish big plans man um, you know I've, I've I, you know I, as a drag racer there there's a lot of there's a lot of round track racers too and everybody thinks they're you know if you don't get in the car and think you got the you are capable of winning you know you're doing it for the wrong reason Mm. um so you know i feel like i've got the team i've got uh i've got the equipment and we've got the stuff to to go to the top you know and and so for the rest of this year we're definitely going to run the limited drag radial series uh it's a championship point series ran mostly on the eastern part of the country uh we do come to st louis twice um gonna run the ldr series i've got a small tire no prep car we call beer money which is the car we built on season one of the horsepower wars ten thousand dollar drag shootout we won that show got to keep the car um and it's just a little ls turbo really fun little hot rod so we no prep race that thing uh just finished season two of horsepower wars built a big block chevrolet powered ford granada station wagon so gonna race it some but the ultimate goal is to end up in a pro modified okay um 
we have some uh, we have some some things in the works. Uh, Doug Cook and Andy Cook of Motion Race Works out of Iowa. Um, we've been working with them for the past couple of years. Kind of got a got a plan in motion, and we've we've got some goals. Um, it's always been a goal of mine to race NHRA Pro Stock. Um, I think that jamming gears with a Liberty and, and a clutch is, yeah. is just something really cool. Um, any any drag racer obviously would like to sit in a top fuel dragster, and given the opportunity, obviously I would take that. But the immediate goal and something we're definitely working towards is to be in a pro modified car. Um, run some eighth mile stuff for a little while, uh, get comfortable with the big tire pro modified setup and possibly do some NHRA racing in the future. You mentioned Horsepower Wars as we wrap up with Lyle Barnett. Uh, how, how can people find that and keep it? Keep, and also, how can people keep track with what you're doing in your career? So um, a couple couple of cool shows we've been a part of. The Horsepower Wars $10,000 drag shootout, a web-based show. You can go to horsepowerwars.com. Uh, they have several different shows. I myself was personally a part of the $10,000 drag shootout, both season one and season two. Um, you can watch both of those YouTube, uh, easy place to find it, but uh, probably the easiest would be to go to horsepowerwars.com. Uh, Netflix Fastest Car, uh, we ran that last year, um, won our first regional race, and then had a pretty epic final round that you'll have to find out for yourself. Season two of that. All right. It, it, Netflix Fastest Car. Um, all forms of social media, man. I've got uh, a decent Instagram page that I keep updated pretty regularly, just my name, Lyle Barnett. Um, last name is spelled B-A-R-N-E-T-T. Um, Facebook, too. Got that going on. Uh, got a YouTube channel called the Boosted Beard Racing Channel. Okay. Uh, like a beard, like yeah. B-A-R-D, uh, Pirate's Beard or whatever. Boosted Beard Racing Channel. Um, it's fairly new. Kind of getting into the swing of that, figuring out how to edit videos and sure. whatnot. So an amateur at best uh, when it comes to that stuff. But we do have some good content coming there. So uh, you can follow me wherever, man. And uh, I try to keep it updated and keep letting our fans and whatnot know where we're going to be. So... Uh, looking forward to, to definitely a big 2020. We got a lot planned. Uh, got my smoking hot fiance sitting beside me right here. <laughs> I was going to see if I had to help you remember to do that. We're going <laughs> to get we get married in June. Um, Congratulations! By thank the you. Way. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we get married in June. Um, in the meantime, I've got to find a good deal on a motorhome so that I can convince her and the dogs to come to the racetrack more with me because we're going to keep on keeping on. I think I've convinced her that uh, drag racing is going to be a part of our life at least for the next little while so uh, very cool having fun and uh looking forward to a 2020 and beyond and and uh hope to do well thank you for uh, not only being on the program but uh, i want to thank you on behalf of the industry for for sharing your story because i, I got to imagine that that can be very hard to reminisce on so many times um but but thank you for doing that because uh, as you said hopefully it convinces people to take a look at it and be better. Yeah, man. You know, just b before you go to the racetrack, whether you're testing, practicing, qualifying, or racing, you know, just take a look at your program, man. Uh, I know a lot of you listeners are probably fathers. Uh, you may be a father of a driver. Uh, you may be a daughter of a driver, you know, or a, a daughter, uh, and your father may be your, your crew chief or whatever, but dads, moms, kids, grandparents, whoever's listening, you know, make sure that that they have the right stuff on uh, so that they can come home to you should should something happen. You know, that's the last thing that you want to do. The Probably the hardest part for me was knowing my dad, my crew chief, was standing at the starting line watching his 24-year-old son, you know, careen down through this drag strip on fire, bouncing off of both walls and thinking it, that he was never going to see me again, you know. Lyle Barnett joined us today. Take a look. Uh, you know, watch, watch the video. It, it is really eye-opening uh, to not only see what happened, but to see that you survived that. Um, so uh, a really eye-opening experience. 
Take a look at that safety. Take a look at those belts. Take a look at the gloves. Take a look at everything before you hit the track again. Lyle, thank you so much for yes, joining sir. us on the program. Thanks man. for having it. me. Enjoy. Suspension Max is a service and solution-based manufacturer of automotive suspension and specialty parts. Based out of Bay City, Michigan, the local company began servicing clients in 2002. Suspension Max serves the automotive aftermarket as well as engineers and produces specialty suspension components for original equipment manufacturers and government contracts. Learn more about what they can do for you at suspensionmax.com or call 1-888-629-9226. Suspension Max, the leveling kit experts. When the call sounds from race control. Hello, yellow, yellow, bottom of one. Yellow, 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 bottom of one. Top motorsport sanctions rely on the elite team of industry professionals for Motor City Racing Promotions to respond. Highly trained men and women in uniform systematically arrive on scene with their advanced fleet of safety vehicles equipped for the toughest jobs. Hours of annual training and practice are executed with precision as the task is rapidly performed in unison. Each official on the MCRP safety team is SFI certified in short track incident response and demonstrates a comprehensive background in motorsports, firefighting, and emergency medical services. It is their own appreciation of this sport and its growing need for professional motorsports rescue that has been the catalyst behind MCRP safety team's impeccable portfolio. For more information on Motor City Racing Promotion Safety Team, log on to MotorCityRacing.co and look for the MCRP badge at a track near you. The Motor City 200 is coming back for a third try on Saturday, April 25th from Flat Rock Speedway. The first can't-miss event of the year features a season-opening 100 laps for Champion Racing Association's JEGS CRA All-Stars Tour. Also on the card for the first time since 2007, Modifieds will battle wheel-to-wheel with 75 laps at the historic Speedway. The Victory Custom Trailers CRA Junior Late Model Series opens their sophomore season with 25 laps around the Metro Detroit Bowl Ring. The Motor City 200, Saturday, April 25th, from Flat Rock Speedway, a Motor City Racing Promotions event. For more information, log on to MotorCity200.com. This is two-time Money in the Bank 150 winner Brian Campbell, and you listen to Horsepower Happenings. Lane Automotive Safety Summit Day here at Lane Automotive, Waterfleet, Michigan, and uh, fresh out of one of the first classes of the day, or one of the uh, first workshops of the day, if you will, is a Kalamazoo Track Services uh, Safety and Race Recovery Director, if you will, and uh, also does some work with Motor City Racing Promotions. Jake Steele sits on the the, uh, the couch across from me. What's going on, buddy? Oh, thanks, thanks for having me. It was, uh, yeah, we just finished the first panel. Uh, it was for owners and promoters specifically. Yep. Um, the panelists were myself talking on a race director or safety crew director as well as talking from a fire department standpoint mm-hmm. uh, we also had steve sinclair from k insurance as well as ira sprint series yep. um, talking about both the insurance aspect of it as well as having his own series and traveling mike myers uh, was on hand as well yep mike myers good friend of not ours the, uh, not the comedian or the serial killer or the serial killer yeah you always <laughs> got to preface that no mike, mike myers good friend of mine we met a couple years ago uh trying to uh, expand the safety broaden and um he comes from buffalo new york works at lancaster speedways safety director there and uh thought he'd be a real good advocate to have out here on hand this weekend both with a safety truck as well as having him on some panels um and then wrapping up that panel was scott Mendelin, obviously motor city racing promotions yep um so we we really just kind of started off with an introduction and then just talked about 
from each avenue of, of fire department, safety crew, race director, series director, what you look for when you're working with a new track or even your track that you may have worked at for the last 13 years as things change yeah the incident action plans need to change as well you know we talked to andrew scheid uh, earlier today and and he's a race car driver and he admitted you know we show up to the racetrack we're not thinking about what does the safety crew look like um and i think that the other side of that equation for the dirt tracks more specifically is when their officials show up they're concerned about are the concession stands rolling? Is my racetrack going to be ready to go? And do I have somebody to take tickets at the pit gate? Um, it's so easy for some reason in our industry to put safety at the back of our minds, even as a racetrack. Definitely, definitely. It's one of those things where a lot of tracks get into the it's never happened to us mindset. Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately for a lot of racetracks, they, they look at profit margins, and racetracks don't have huge profit margins, unfortunately. And so safety is not one that you can put a number on how much profit a safety crew makes. For a lot of people, they see safety crew as an expense that they have to have, but they don't see that there is profit in it because you get returning drivers with a good, adequate safety crew and a safe racetrack. So it, it's the big things that we're trying to stress over this, this weekend is just the fact that you know safety needs to be put a little bit more on the front burner for everybody, for race car directors for race car drivers as well as race directors and and so that's something that the drivers need to do a better job at of looking at the safety crew they have at their home tracks and not necessarily just being like well they they need better stuff they hold need them to accountable hold them accountable but also lend a hand i mean we used to do it where we do um you know fundraisers and stuff and yeah. it, it's our, our track's very fortunate that we have a, a pretty good following but you see a lot of tracks that they'll they'll do a fundraiser to buy new fire suits for the safety crew or whatever, and they just don't get a buy-in from yeah. the drivers, and the drivers need to support the safety crews more. Well, if you look at the showroom today, uh, you know there are thousands of racers across the state, but you look at the showroom today over the course from eight o'clock until three o'clock this afternoon, there are a lot of people here buying things. Mm-hmm. And everybody's buying safety equipment. Oh, you yeah. know, this is the day to buy safety equipment, and that's what everybody's doing. Um, the drivers, I think, are realizing that the, there is a lot of improvements that have been made, and that you know Ryan Newman mm-hmm. is a big example. Mm-hmm. One of the safest cars on the market is a NASCAR Cup car, and he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, I think these guys are realizing, you know what, we need to step it up. Yeah, it was unfortunate with the Ryan situation, and, and unfortunately, it happens across the board. And, and you see it on Facebook, and. Um, people are quick to get on Facebook and say, well, that safety crew did a terrible job. And I saw it about NASCAR too. And um, frankly, I think they did a, a fantastic job. And the the thing is though, it happens on Facebook. It'll be safety will be number one for a second. And then the next day they're, they're mad about something new. So yeah. for the fact that Lane Automotive is, is put the time and in, in investment into making the safety summit, what it is over the three years, I've had the opportunity to be part of all three years and seeing it grow and it expand and, seeing that the Lane family is truly trying to put safety number one. And it, it does, you know, take deals to get people to buy safety right. equipment sometimes. Um, and if that means, and that's the thing too, if that means cutting prices, if that means doing a belt rebate to get old belts off the market, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Because they want you, they've got representatives here, and they're not just, you know, peon representatives that need to work on the weekend. These are top-of-the-line people that are here trying to educate Mm-hmm. I think before making a sale, here's how this could save your life. Exactly, and, and yeah, like you said, these these vendors that are on hand, they're we had dinner with a lot of them last night. Yes. Your, yourself and I, and 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 uh, 
all the vendors and, and talking to them, these, these people have 20, 30 years of experience. And it's not like they got with one company, you know, one of the, the gentlemen, he's worked for two or three different companies, but all in that same type of safety device, yeah. um, which really shows the passion for that. And, and that's what's awesome is getting these people here. And I, I think a lot of people do have... Uh, you know the safety initiative it's just getting them all in one room and, and Lane Automotive provides obviously a, a great facility to to do the vendor shows as well as have displays on hand and have classrooms so you walk through the showroom right now it's it's a zoo of people yeah but then you walk in the back and there's a class going on and it's nice and quiet and, and it's it's awesome every corner here is a, a new element of this building for any track promoter safety crew worker who is listening within uh the midwest region we won't even say the state tri-state area um you and your crew at kts mm-hmm. are also uh, need, need to be given some credit. You, you and your crew at KTS also need to be given some credit because a couple of years ago, you guys took initiative and said, nobody's training these people. Mm-hmm. We're, we're counting on firefighters and EMS uh, and EMTs to come off the street who have no racing experience most of the time mm-hmm. and be able to handle these situations. You guys have filled that void with KTS over the last few years. Yeah, I, I joined KTS 13 years ago, and, and we've seen those videos on Facebook of safety crews not doing the best performance they could have and for it's so easy to say well they're they're just not a good safety crew and so we took a look at why aren't they a good safety crew is it because they don't care no almost every one of these these safety crews care and that's why they do it it's just there was no training at their level so five years ago we started a, a safety training program it's really taken off to the point where we have a couple simulators now rollover simulator and the extrication simulator um, and, and started that and, and five years ago we, we thought it would just be a one day half day training and the first year was four hours and uh, a half dozen of us and now we're getting ready to come up to our fifth year and we're looking at 60 people for a three day training that we've also worked with getting it SFI certified so through that, that that's really helped get some validity behind it and give these short track safety crew racers um, an avenue to get training because they, they are passionate about what they do. They yeah. just didn't have the avenue to do it. What is the, uh, you know, obviously there's going to be some cost involved with that, but uh, talk about the registration information. How do people uh, get involved with this training coming up this month? Yeah, so we still have a few spots available. Um, it's March 27th, 28th, 29th. The 27th is a Friday. We're doing a little four-hour informal session that night in the classroom doing the S5 PowerPoint curriculum. We'll, we'll provide pizzas and have that kind of talk, give everyone the general terminology. Saturday, Sunday, we go to our full day trainings. Um, and so that's half hands-on, half classroom. We do a bunch of scenarios. We've, we've done some crazy stuff. We put a race car in the grandstands last year. We, we <laughs> Which is a real possibility. It, it is. It, it is. And, and unfortunately, you know, showing people pictures and videos wasn't getting it there. So we got a 75-ton wrecker and lifted a race car up in the grandstands. And overkill, yes, but did it get everyone thinking that day? Absolutely. Well, um, we, we have seen it happen, um, particularly on the dirt tracks, but it does happen on the pavement tracks. Um, you know, sprint cars clear catch fences every day. Oh, for sure. For sure. So... And that's that's something we focus on uh, that type of thing we call it the high risk low frequency hopefully it never happens but we try to focus a couple of our training evolutions on that so car into the grandstands active shooter bomb threat awareness so you're even going over those sort of situations yeah we, we try to find something different every year to get people thinking and to keep them coming back you know and and keep our minds expanding so we've had the state police come talk about 
you know, what to do if you think there's a bomb threat or how to plan for that. Um, but then we also focus on the little stuff, how to roll over a car, how to extricate a patient. So the, the you call And you call it little stuff. But yeah. it's so important. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you don't have a controlled role, let's let's talk about this briefly. If you don't have a controlled role, you could be creating more problems down the line. 100%. 100%. And that's, that's the thing that uh, a lot of people that didn't really understand the Ryan Newman wreck, you don't want to just go over there and flip that car upside yeah. down. Um, you know, he's already upside down. Leaving him there for minutes not going to do any more damage. It's taking the time. To, to figure out what you're working with before you do that. So, yeah, we call that little stuff. So in our world, what we do is we, like I referenced, the bomb threats, active shooters is the high risk, low frequency. Low frequency. Um, you know, for a rollover at our track, we call that high risk, high frequency because yeah. there is a good chance of injury. But at the same time, uh, it happens often enough where it's something that our brains know how to do. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you look at the, the low risk, low frequency, uh, a spectator twist an ankle in a grandstand, stuff that happens. Yep, yep. Um, and so we, we try to, there's four coordinates that we try to pick something out for our training. So Saturday, Sunday really is kind of a, you don't know what you're to expect. Um, and this year being our fifth anniversary, we've definitely pulled out some stops on that. So um, for the full weekend uh, with S5 certification, that's a three-year certification, um, that's $105 for the weekend. We provide breakfast and lunch, and then we provide dinner Friday night. Um, if you want to do just Saturday, Sunday, if you're already certified or you don't want to be certified, that's fine. That's $75. You can reach out, you know, via Camelzy Track Services on our Facebook or Camelzy Track Services at yahoo.com. Right. Um, and, and we, like I said, we try to make the weekend all-encompassing. So we'll have track owners, promoters there. We'll have pit stewards there. And we, we try to, when we do those situations, walk each person through what their role would be. So, yeah, yeah you may be a, a tech official, but if we have something big, you may be helping us direct traffic or block off an area or open an exit. And so I, I really get a, a ton of uh, you know pride and joy when we have a wide group of employees there so I yeah. can make those situations. Well, I tell you, too, as an announcer, I've been pulled out of the booth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hey, we need all hands um, mm -hmm. to either help get this scene pushed back, uh, you know, people are crowding in or, or direct traffic, uh, you know, because it's we got to get the ambulance in. Um, you just never know. you got to be a utility player at these racetracks, so you never know, and that's why KTS's training is open to everybody. Yep, yeah, no, everybody, and, and one of the things we do, we, we travel around and do the trainings wherever, so we've already got a few booked this year. We'll be in uh, Wisconsin, uh, we'll be in Ohio, uh, possibly Tennessee, so we're, we're traveling around with stuff too, so that's always an option. If you're not able to make our spring training, we always offer it up. Wherever Jake, Jake Steele with the Kalamazoo Track Services and Motor City Racing Promotions. What's the best way for people to get more information on what KTS does? Yep. Uh, right now, our, our main source is Kalamazoo Track Services on Facebook. Uh, we're working on a new website right now. We're, we're restructuring how we, we've done everything in the past. So website will be coming, but either... Uh, Look to our Facebook or, or contact me directly at, at the email. All right. Well, appreciate everything you're doing for safety, for the industry, for our drivers. Um, great work with uh, what's going on here at uh, the Safety Summit, and good luck with your training and in 2020. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, that's going to do it for tonight's program. Uh, our, our thanks and heartfelt thanks go out to uh, Lyle Barnett for taking some time out of his busy schedule down at the Lane Automotive Safety Summit to catch up with us. And, and uh, really, we had no plans for that interview to spiral out like that. But what a story. 
that Barnett has and uh, really excited to see what he's able to do for the industry, what he's able to continue to accomplish as well after that accident, go on out and uh, really trying to take the world by storm. And as he said, you know, anybody that we can get to uh, make some changes to their racing set up to their uh, to, to their program based off of what has happened to him is a good thing just don't don't let yourself be the next example uh get out there and uh, be proactive as he says don't be so reactive also our thanks to jake Steele for joining us on the program a lot of uh, great insight there and uh, don't miss that uh, th- that safety training that's coming up here in just a couple of weekends if you are an individual who works at a racetrack at all as we talked it doesn't necessarily what it uh, doesn't matter what position you are typically assigned to you never know when something hits the fan if you're going to need to be ready to uh, to, to, to be uh, in a different position to help ensure the uh, safety of the general public. So our thanks to them. Hey, uh, racing, getting ready to come to our region in a very quick hurry. hurry. As a matter of fact, um, March 20th and 21st are going to be one of the first opportunities to uh, kind of get racing within the Great Lakes region, if you will, as uh, the Lucas Oil late model dirt series comes to ohio and indiana march 20th and 21st they'll be at atomic speedway on the 20th before heading over to uh, brownstown speedway on the 21st looking for a chance to get down there to uh, cover that one in person and then the weekend following that take a little road trip to the west uh talking about seven hours seven and a half hours depending on where you at here in the state of michigan uh the thaw brawl which features the mars racing series will go off on march 27th and 28th and uh we'll we'll get a chance to uh, talk with uh tony izzo the promoter of not only the thaw brawl but also the mars racing series and hear hear about that event in a little bit more detail coming up on one of the future episodes uh so that's going to do it for tonight uh, thanks so much for tuning in and uh, what a lot of fun it was to uh, kind of do a solo show which is something we haven't done in a very long time here on horsepower happenings but as much fun as that was looking forward to getting back into the motor city racing promotion studios with uh, rich france scott menlin and uh, really get back to what we're doing with race season just around the corner thanks so much for tuning in be sure to check in with us on facebook and twitter and always log on to horsepowerhappenings.com to keep up on what's going on have a great rest of your week we'll talk on monday You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings on the Motor City Racing Network. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.